Birds with Friends is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know the Eagles and the NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You've got Russell Wilson and the Seahawks coming into town. You've got Tom Brady and the Patriots coming into town. Now is the time to use Game Time. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bowen, Sheila, and the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins till Bo's old arch nemesis. Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo and Shukapati are coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings i'm gonna have the rest of my life with these kids wow get, we gotta get that in a drop uh immediately edit that one out that didn't come out play. there's no editing no no editing yeah, on this that's podcast the one birds with friends no editing <laughs> hello everybody and welcome to birds with friends on tuesday evening a little bit after 9 p.m Bo wolf here in my basement shield Capadia there in his zach berman in his kitchen again? Is that right? Uh, and in my office. Oh, ooh, your office. Fancy. Oh, look at you. Oh, okay. oh, oh, Zach in his office, Mister Fancy. We are here for Birds with Friends. We will. Uh, we've got lots of stuff to talk about. It's the bye, but all kinds of Eagles news on this day. Deshaun Jackson placed on injured reserve, and more importantly, Deho, Nisei Deho. Deho, come and the Eagles get a comp pick. He's gone. The Eagles wave Anderson Deho. We'll get into all that and uh, talk a little bit uh, big picture stuff here as we uh, as we enter the second half of the season. Shiel, you don't get a bye week. What are you doing? I'm working. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Let's know. get into it. We, we actually feel? have some nice nuggets. How do you to talk feel about, about this? Uh, not getting a bye. This is like mm-hmm. when who was it last year who was traded from one team to another during what would have been his bye. He had to play uh, 17 it, games. Was it Amari Cooper? Was it Amari or did Cooper? he get two buys? Somebody got two buys, mm. I think. No, that's the way Jay Jai did. Jay Jai. That's, that's good living. Okay. Uh, why don't we start with, uh, with Deho? And uh, I can start. This is good because it means I can't take him in the hour you know draft anymore. Oh, what are you going to do? You have <laughs> what, se- seven games, at least seven games to fill here, and you're going to have to pick somebody on Fridays other than uh, Andrew Sandejo to to name as your defensive player if they lose a game. I- I'm very excited about it's this. It's going to be tough, and I'm I am I am disappointed that they didn't give him the token start against the Bears so that it, they could have maintained the streak of uh, releasing four consecutive weeks of releasing defensive starters however uh so a few things here we talked about in the postgame pod that for the first time we saw the eagles using four cornerbacks in a dime package and sendejo played uh, the the least amount that he had played all season long turned out that that was the truth he played 11 snaps which was a season low and uh still i was a little bit surprised that they did this i think that like Obviously, you put Andrew, Andrew Sandejo on one side of the ledger and a late fourth-round pick on another side of the ledger, and you would much rather have the comp pick. I think it was the right decision in a vacuum, but I'm a little bit surprised given how much the defensive coaching staff has talked him up and just how, uh, you know, in the locker room, how how naked it is that the reason they are releasing this guy is because of the comp pick. It has nothing. I mean, he hasn't been good as I've said all along, but it's not like they're releasing him because he hasn't been good. They're releasing him because of the comp pick, which is, I I feel like a little bit of an iffy thing to do in terms of like front office locker room relationships. That said, I mean, all the power to him. I I guess it's a good thing that they pulled the trigger and they now are set to have, I believe I should have it in front of me, but I believe, uh, eight, 
picks in the first four rounds? A first, a second, two thirds, and four fourths? I think that's right. Anyway. Well, what what did Jeffrey Lurie say the one time? He wanted 20 picks in the next, right? Didn't he in say that? Years. 20 picks in yeah. the next two drafts? Yeah, 20 players coming onto the team, you know, of um, first, second year players in these next two, yeah, from these next two years. And, and, and they, was that and was that have, nineteen and twenty or twenty and twenty one? When did he say that? That, that was nineteen and twenty. It was supposed to be this Whoops. past year. Yes, <laughs> necessarily. Uh, okay, so it's uh, it's actually seven picks in the first four rounds. They have two, so uh, their own first, their own second, their own third, one projected third round comp pick, their own fourth, and then two projected fourth round comp picks. Wow. Now, in 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 terms of the move itself, I had that same thought that that you did in in terms of selling it to the locker room that that you're going after the comp pick. I think they're going to sell it or try to sell it uh similar to how you preceded um the the comp pick discussion which was the fact that there's their dime package is changing. They're getting these these cornerbacks healthy. They want to play Avante Maddox obviously. They want to play Rasul Douglas. Um, and, and so I, I think their rationalization is going to be that, uh, that, that package is changing, that you already saw it before when, when Sandejo was on the roster and that it's going to be even more pronounced going forward, that they think their best defensive back grouping includes those four corners. And, uh, they didn't have that option before, you know, because you haven't seen that group fully healthy until this past week. And Jalen Mills was in the sort of nominal third safety role when they did that. And also keep in mind the Eagles are probably going to get Craven LeBlanc back here soon. So they do have a little bit of depth there if you want to look at uh, potentially five guys who can play there. And, of course, Avante Maddox has some safety versatility. So, I mean, the move makes sense to me. I'm just a little bit surprised that they pulled the trigger. How Craven it was, you mean? Like, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 Wait, I How Craven or how Craven? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well done. I, I respect that joke from Bo. <laughs> That's so craven. <laughs> I, I was a little bit surprised too, as I, you know, I, I half jokingly said, I think last week that you sell this to the locker room in a very easy way that all your lives are safer right, now. You're trying to protect them. <laughs> We're looking out <laughs> for you. I would really, oh my gosh, if you can uncover that, that was, if like they said that to somebody, that would be, you know, <laughs> Howie Roseman pulls like, uh, yeah, Avante Maddox aside and it's like, I'm looking out for you, my Go man. <laughs> guys are looking over their shoulder <laughs> yeah. on the field. Like instead of, instead of hearing footsteps as a receiver, they're hearing footsteps as a, as a defensive back. Yeah. But you know, I think, you know, we've heard from the defensive coaches going back to uh, whenever they signed Sandejo, that this was sort of one of those guys who seemed like a favorite of the coaching staff and to the, the public, the fans, the media, us included, we were like, what is this guy bringing to yeah. the table? Yeah. I mean, I uh, asked Corey Unlin that and I was like, listen, why, you know, for people who don't understand and I, like including myself what what it is that he brings to the table like tell us what it is and he looked at me like I was crazy like this guy <laughs> this guy brings everything to the table like he's the man so. right yeah so so I don't think I, I I like that Zach I love when you can sort of um I love playing the game of predicting how the team is going to spin a move and I think Zach is probably very correct in how they're going to do that but uh, I do think it's interesting not only from the locker room perspective that you guys mentioned that yeah if there are you know players in that locker room who say wow they just you know got got rid of him we're trying to make the playoffs we're trying to win the division and they got rid of him for a fourth round pick uh you know that that may rub some people the wrong way but I totally forget what I was going to say well, Although uh, I'll I'll <laughs> say this, even if, if if you take away the comp pick element of it, like like who's made more bad plays this year? Well, Anderson Dejo or Zach Brown? <laughs> I mean, like if if they have who, Sandejo, who's made more bad plays this year, Anderson Dejo or the rest of the league? <laughs> Fair point. Sandejo has played. Oh, uh, Sandejo has played uh, two hundred and thirty-two defensive snaps that ranks uh 11th among defensive players although uh like you said here it uh they are getting some guys healthy yeah it's interesting uh i do think that the, the okay wait before i forget it i remember what okay. i was going to say uh, i think this i think this is interesting in terms of the separation of front office and coaching staff yes. you know because 
because when we look at it, I mean, you mentioned Unlin. We've heard Jim Schwartz say it. it this is a situation where if your head coach is in charge and pulling all the strings, like if this was Doug Peterson's call, you know, he hands the defense over to Jim Schwartz. I don't think he's saying, all right, you know, we'll, we'll get rid of him so that we can get a, a comp pick for him. And so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see sort of how it this plays out that way and also what Jim Schwartz says. Jim Schwartz has already dropped a, uh, hey, you know, I, I don't pick the players type thing uh, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. And it's true, but, you, you know, it's interesting also in that respect. I think that's exactly right. And it is it is always interesting when we can when we can see the delineation uh, in thinking between front office and coaching staff and which one wins out. So, yeah. Uh, I do think that the the comp pick system does need to be overhauled. I know that I know that uh, Andrew Sandejo is a uh, is a weird um, martyr for me to choose, but it is it is a little bit ridiculous. Like it's, it's becoming way too much. I feel it's way it's, too much. Like what's going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't we're not fans of Andrew Sandejo, but like if you are a team that's sort of making this decision and had a guy that you really liked. Uh, or maybe that was right on the line. Like that's a weird decision to have to make it before. And, and the, 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 there's this cutoff of week 10, you know, it's this weird decision to have to make in November about whether to try to get a draft pick uh, down the road or to uh, keep the player. So I, I totally agree with you there. And we did predict, I think before the season, didn't we say that we, we felt like the dime this year, they've got all these cornerbacks, they're deep. Well, they we should say, be playing. I, yes, I think we said that in the summer, uh, summer before yeah. training camp had even started. That that's what that's what we were expecting that they should do. Yeah, but, I mean, it's now definitely, that being said, I I thought they were going to do it to get Sidney Jones on the field. No, I, I was wrong about that. Yeah, no, I mean, they're going to be playing five corners at a time, and Sidney Jones is still going to be inactive. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's tough. Yeah. Uh, okay. Should we transition from Andrew Sandejo to the wide receivers? By the way, I got to imagine this is the only Eagles podcast that is starting with Sandejo instead of Deshaun Jackson. I don't know if that's true. You don't think so? I don't know. I feel like Jim, we've all got a little bit of Deshaun. No way. Jimmy, Jimmy Kemsky does a, <laughs> a podcast. True. There's no way he's, he's leading he's with Well, I did weekend. see on Twitter yeah. that, that I believe this Sendejo news happened in the middle of their recording. So they did, at uh-huh. least that means they didn't lead with it. Okay. Um, I, I think there might be a little bit of Deshaun Jackson fatigue as well. So maybe that, maybe that plays into it, but let's get into it nonetheless. He, uh, so Zach, take us through the series of events from, I guess from last week until today in terms of the Deshaun Jackson saga. Yeah, so last week there was a lot of optimism that uh, he was going to play. Um, you know, he returned to practice. He was limited in practice each day, uh, which Doug Peterson said after the fact was deliberate. Um, and He did use the word optimism at every turn. Yes, and and really, you know, even when – the questions were posed, like, would you wait until after the bye? The kind of the school of thought that that Doug, and, and I'm not quoting him verbatim here, but but that he kind of shared with us was that, well, he has time to recover, you know, that the players have that, that extra week to recover and that if a player is healthy enough to play, they're going to play. They're not just going to purposefully hold a guy back because you have that bye. Uh, on Friday, Deshaun Jackson met with, reporters for the first time since the injury and it was it was kind of like an odd um interview session uh he seemed a little adversarial right well he just yeah he he just ignored any question that had to do with like you know did you consider having surgery or uh you know what's the nature of the end like like anything specific to the injury It, it was just he was just talking about how uh at, he he planned on playing and that it's a unique injury and things of that nature. He's out there on Sunday. Everyone saw that. He played, what, four snaps, right? Yep. And, uh, and uh, came off the field. Uh, Monday morning, He uh, Doug Peterson was on WIP. And from what I, I understand, said that, uh, that, you know, he, he should be back after – a few weeks. Um, yeah, he, thought he, oh, he, he was optimistic he'd be back he after the bye. 
Exactly. Oh, I, uh, I didn't even hear that. And, and that he was getting more tests. Uh, when he met with us at noon on Monday, he was um, getting, you know, he, they were seeking a second and third opinion. Doug Peterson didn't want to put a time frame on it because it's, it's premature for that. Um, it kind of explained the thought process. Doug, I thought Doug explained it well, and I appreciated what Doug said. Doug basically said it's up to the player to get the surgery in that case, that some players choose to do it. Some players don't. He referenced uh, Corey Clement as a guy who who kind of chose to go the surgery route because an injury was lingering. I didn't really like that, this, by the way. I didn't like Doug, didn't like Doug putting, put put, putting this on Deshaun, yeah. I mean, but like, if 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 that's the truth, if if the if the reason why Deshaun didn't get surgery is because he didn't want to go the surgery route, um, you know, I I I think that kind of but look, if if it was his decision, I'm always in favor of honesty. Uh, well, but anyways, from our perspective, I'm not so yeah, sure that's yeah. his his best decision. Um, but but Doug said that Deshaun did everything he could to get out there, and that he had discomfort. And it was kind of precautionary that they held him back. Uh, clearly, it was more than precautionary because Monday afternoon, we find out that Deshaun Jackson is, in fact, getting surgery, uh, what, eight weeks after the injury first occurred or, so, or seven weeks or so after the injury uh, first occurred. And then the timeline was, was uh, somewhat ambiguous. You know, there were reports four to six weeks. There were there were uh, some saying the whole season, and then it got answered today when the Eagles put him on IR. That doesn't mean he's out completely for the. If they make the postseason, he could in theory be taken off IR then. Uh, but certainly the regular season, he's not going to come back. Mm. It's a disaster. It's a disaster, and it's not an isolated incident. I think that's the you know big thing here is that we go back to last year and the issues with the medical staff and changing stuff around. And you know, just looking at the the single decision with Deshaun Jackson, I I mean that happens with injuries and all sorts of medical situations where you have to choose between two options, and doctors you know uh, doctors may not be able to give you a strong recommendation one way or the other. They can tell you uh, you know what they might prefer, but they, a lot of times they will say, well, it, it's close either way. And certainly in this situation, you know, for the team, you're probably going to push the surgery in this instance, because it's not your body, you know, being sort of operated on and you don't have to deal with the, uh, with the risks of it. And you know that you're going to get the player back at a certain time and you can plan that way. If you're the player, it's different. I mean, anytime you do go into surgery, uh, there are risks of things happening and that not being uh, successful. So, uh, I think that players should kind of be making that decision on their own and really not be listening to what the team has to say and going to their independent doctors, especially guys like Deshaun Jackson, who've been around uh, for a long time. And he presumably has, has people that he trusts with these types of decisions, but yeah, for the team, it's a disaster. Well, it's a disaster in so many ways. And, and maybe we can just sort of talk about the wide receivers as a whole, because uh, I mean, the wide receiver position from a team building standpoint and from a performance standpoint has been, uh, an abject disaster. So, I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. On Deshaun, like this is always this was always a possibility, and for them to enter, I would say a probability. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe not a probability for him to play one game or two games yeah. all year long, but it was certainly an eventuality that he was going to miss games, and for them to be so ill prepared for that, so ill prepared that they are they are trying reportedly to pull Tory Smith out of retirement, like. That's the situation they've put themselves in. It is, uh, it's, it is an absolute, like, I mean, it's, it's one of the worst things that Howie Roseman has ever done from a roster building standpoint. I, I want to read the release they sent out and then get your take on, on get your reaction to it. The passive right? voice. Yeah, go ahead. Deshaun Jackson will undergo surgery this week on a core muscle injury. He originally suffered the injury on September 15th against the Atlanta Falcons. Following the game in Atlanta, Deshaun met with the Eagles and multiple independent specialists to determine the best course of action. After gathering all the necessary information, the decision was made to proceed non 
operatively. Did I say that correctly? I've never had to say that word yeah, in my I mean, life. That's not the word they should have used. <laughs> Non-surgically, probably. Not surgically, yeah. <laughs> Through rehabilitation. Deshaun worked hard for six weeks to progress to a point where all parties were comfortable with him returning to practice and then to play in the game yesterday against the Chicago Bears. Zach is so, right to call out, by the way, how many times we hear them like saying, Deshaun's been working hard. Deshaun's oh, yeah. been working really hard. That for weeks, yeah. yeah. During the first, this is the longest release for an injury I've ever read. During the first quarter of the game against the Bears, Deshaun experienced discomfort and was held out for precautionary reasons. After further testing and discussion this morning, it was determined that the best course of action for a full recovery is to proceed with surgery. Uh, I'm curious on your guys' takes on, on so many levels here on why did they choose to do this? Have you seen them do this before? And just kind of what is your reaction to that novel of a statement being sent out on their Twitter account about Deshaun Jackson's injury? Zach, you go ahead. Well, they, they have put out um, statements like that before uh, when, when they kind of want to That defensively? It was, it's so defensive. Well, n- not in a defensive. I, I mean, I, I'm thinking – you know, for instance, when Carson got hurt his rookie season uh, with the rib injury, um, the team released a pretty detailed statement about uh, what the injury was. Um, and it, it, it was really just kind of like a, a factual statement. Um, I, I always like when the team puts out something. I would have liked it if, if we could have had an opportunity to ask questions. I mean, that opportunity is obviously going to come, but a week later – um, nonetheless, uh, I, I thought that it was, it was just interesting framing, um, because maybe I'm, I'm, um, I'm reading too much into it. Tell me if I am, but it really seemed to put a lot on Deshaun. Is, is that how you guys read it too? Well, I read it as don't blame us for not, uh, yes, doing exactly. anything about this. We thought he was going to be fine. Right. Yes. We thought yeah. we were going to have him for the second half of the season. That's why our receivers look as crappy as they do. That's why we didn't make a trade. That's why we're a, a 20th ranked passing offense, uh, in the NFL. Uh, this, and, and it's terrible and it's bad messaging. And it's something we've talked about for months is that, you know, you couldn't, you should have never been just counting on the, if this one player who is 32 years old and has an injury history is going to make or break your offense to the point where if you have him, you think you're a top five unit. And if you don't have him, you think you're between 15 and 20. Well, then you know what? You did a, you did a bad job building the roster. Exactly. And they, I mean, they, they were not prepared. So, I mean, Zach and I have, have both been uh, looking at these wide receiver numbers today. And let me just give give some of them to you. The wide, oh, I looked some up too. What the, do you got? The wide receivers as a group, the Eagles group of wide receivers, 29th in the league in receptions per game, 31st in the league in yards per reception, 30th in the league in yards per catch, 26th in the league in drop percentage, dead last in the league in yards per target, 6.35 yards per target, dead last in the league. If you want to look at the guys themselves, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside of the – of the 140 wide receivers in the league who have at least 50 routes run this year, 140 receivers, Ortega Whiteside ranks 139th in receiving yards per snap per per, per, route, per, per route run, according to Sport what? Radar. Oh, you can look up. You can look up routes. What do you look up? Well, you can you routes can filter run? by routes run, and then and oh, then I had nice. to do I had to do the division myself. Oh, uh, cool. 139th. Uh, Matt Collins, 123rd on that list out of, out of 140, uh, in yards per routes run. And nobody below him has played more snaps. So he's, he's like, he's really bad. And you know who else is really bad? As you know, Nelson Aguilar, 112th in yards per route run. Nobody else below 100 has played, he's played 303, or he's, he's run 303 routes. No one else below 100 has run more than 250. Route. So he's, he's really the only starting caliber receiver in the league who is that bad. He's, he, I mean, it's, it's pathetic. And Alshon's not any better. He's 56th. It's like, as a group, they are, they are the definition of garbanzo beans. And, and the, the, uh, I think the perplexing thing for the Eagles, at at least, is it's something that I don't think they ever saw coming. I I mean, I, I was going back. Uh, reading old transcripts today and and there was a uh we we met with doug for an hour back in 
in June, and he said this is probably the best group of skill position players he's had since he's been here. And if you read the transcripts from the spring and training camp, the one of the big storylines is how are they going to keep everyone happy? Right. They I thought that was going to be one of the big stories of the year. It's exactly. How are you going to get the ball to Deshaun and Nelson? Well, and misery Al- loves company. That's that's how they're going to keep everybody you know, happy. They're going to keep everybody it, terrible. And it's it's like so so there have been major problems with this team in the past that we kind of saw coming. I think this is one that that really caught the team off guard. And I think the other thing is on Arthago Whiteside, you can't have it both ways. So you can't say, okay, he's a rookie, he needs time. You can't you can't judge the pick yet. And also be going into the season with him as your presumed fourth wide receiver for a team with, you know, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson who have combined to play one 16 game season in the last four seasons or, you know, eight seasons between the two of them. So you can't, you, you can't be both. Let's be patient with this guy. And also he's going to be our top option if, you know, and when Alshon or Deshaun goes down. So, uh, the whole thing is, is very poorly constructed. Yeah, and, and in Matt Collins' case, um, I understand that they thought they saw some promise from him in 2017. He had that 64-yard touchdown. He had over 20 yards per catch at North Carolina, but he was out all of last year. And it's fair to say he did nothing during the summer in training camp or in the preseason to suggest that he was going to be a contributing player on offense this year. Like, he had a bad summer, uh, an objectively bad summer. So... Uh, in terms of the depth, I, I think there were some hints there that they maybe weren't adequately prepared for this possibility. And Nelson yeah. Aguilar, by the way, sorry, Shiel, uh yards per reception, 8.8 yards per catch, which is uh, second or third to last in the league among, among uh, you know, leader qualifiers in the league. So, it's, I mean, the whole thing is just, it's just terrible. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think I certainly did a bad job of not seeing this coming. I thought they did have a talented uh, group of people around Carson Wentz, and that was one of the reason I, reasons I was bullish uh, on the team, and I was wrong about that. I think from their perspective, you know, so so I can get I can certainly deserve criticism for that, but like this is sort of their job yes. to know that know their players inside and out, and so the the fact that they did such a poor job of evaluating uh, their own talent. Uh, you know, is pretty concerning. And the Aguilar numbers are the ones I was looking mm. up before this podcast. And this is unbelievable. I mean, when you look at <laughs> look really at his bad. numbers, there have been 39 receivers who have been targeted 50 times. Uh, I know you said second to last or third to last, but I, I have him as the last in yards per reception. 8.8 yards per reception. I mean, for a starting receiver, yeah. uh, that is awful. First down percentage. of his catches have gone for a first down last among 39 wide receivers Uh, DVOA. Okay. Yeah. I've got him out of, uh, sorry, just to, just for the semantics uh, of it, (laughs) I have him. It's the same, it's the same thing, but this is uh, the like leader qualifiers or if they have two catches per game. So he's ahead of, this is, this is big for Nelson Aguilar. He can lord this over us. He's ahead of Benny Fowler and Trey Quinn. DVOA, 68 receivers with at least 36 targets. Last. Jeez. I mean, this, this is these numbers, like I know he's been bad, but those were pretty eye-popping. That when you look at the players getting the opportunities, uh, you know, a minimum threshold of sort of opportunities to be thrown at, no one is performing uh, worse than Nelson Aguilar, which is – yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say the number really that stands out to me with Nelson is 9.38. You know, that that's 9.38 million is, is what they're paying him this year. Exactly. And that's the self-evaluation part of it. I mean, yep. they, they had to make a decision on this guy yep. in the offseason. Can we count on him to be one of our whatever top four options on the field and maybe bigger than that if we suffer an injury or do we need, need to make a move? And they said uh, we can count on him and these are the results you're getting. I don't think they – well, obviously they didn't expect this type of regression. But I, I – you know, Bo and I talked about it in the beat back and forth, like which wide receiver move is Howie most regretting. And I got to think it's it's bringing Nelson back at this number. And and it was a question that, that he fielded quite a bit, um, that Howie and Doug – I remember at the Combine, 
I remember draft weekend, uh, this, this question kept coming up. Like, were they going to keep him? Then were they going to trade him? Um, and, and the fact that they brought him back at that number, I think shows that they weren't just expecting, you know, the production that he had the past two years, which has been good production, 60 plus catches both years. I think they expected, uh, progression and to get the regression that they have, um, really, I, I, I gotta think it, it's just completely caught them off guard and really put them in a tough spot because you can, it, if you look at how you can split up $9.38 million, it can go a lot of ways, especially at that position. Uh, they, they really messed that up. Yeah. And he definitely was being mentioned in trade rumors. And I, I know I felt going into the draft that if they're able to mm-hmm. find a receiver who they think can play right away, you know, specifically a slot receiver who can play right away and then someone who can maybe eventually move to the outside, then they will definitely try to trade him. And that didn't happen. And it, and there was no plan B. I mean, plan B was to just kind of bring him back on the deal he's on and have him be this option for you. As a slot receiver, but I do have another sort of question, you know, and and I tweeted out some DK Metcalf uh, yep. number mm-hmm. numbers earlier today, and Pouring you guys had, wound. and I know I know Zach's been all over that from the beginning, but I, I mean, let me ask you this question: If DK Metcalf and JJ Ortega Whiteside swap teams, if the Seahawks drafted Ortega Whiteside and the Eagles drafted DK Metcalf, what kind of seasons are each guy having right now? Is it, is it exactly same as what we've seen so far? I think that's a really good question, and it's a good way to frame it. And I, and I would say that I would, have, uh, I would have more confidence that Arthega Whiteside could do what DK Metcalf is doing for the Seahawks than I would that DK Metcalf could do for the Eagles what DK Metcalf is doing for the Seahawks. I think they would I think they would play DK Metcalf in that Z receiver spot and and so perhaps he would have gotten on the field with the with a Deshaun injury. Um I mean he couldn't be worse. He literally couldn't be worse. And I think he would be better. I think they probably would use it. You're right. He's a he's a more natural fit for that role. But I do think there's like there's uh there's some player development and coaching and uh trusting younger players that that is involved here. So if if you go back to draft weekend, um, I, I asked uh, I asked Howie and Joe Douglas that you know I, I said it was a real crowded receiver board. Like I was, I thought that Paris Campbell was a guy they might look at because of the kind of the versatility that he had, the speed that he had. Um, I mean, there were a lot of receivers there, and I asked what stood out about JJ. And reading it back today. Um, it was just an interesting response because they talked about high character. Um, they, they talked about like, like, an, uh, high production being really tough, but playing late at night. Kind of, yeah, I, I mean, those are intangible <laughs> characteristics, you know? Um, well, obviously not high production. That's very tangible, but, but in, in terms of the toughness, in terms of the character, uh, you know, what they didn't really talk about was, was a speed and and really kind of the role he would have on the team. Yeah, and it it does seem like they've made a bad decision about uh, surrounding Carson Wentz with the types of yes. receivers who he may succeed with the most. I mean, we saw it last year with you know or, or with just with Alshon Jeffrey, his production with Nick Foles compared to Carson Wentz. I mean, it, you know, it takes a certain type of uh, a quarterback who's going to do certain things to kind of throw to that type of receiver, and that's all they've given. It's Wentz. crazy that th- that it was so obvious to everyone watching that the biggest problem with the offense last year was speed on the outside, and the only thing they did to address it was bring in Deshaun Jackson. And the trust thing is very real. I mean, if you look at it with Nelson Aguilar, I, this was kind of an interesting uh, number I came across. You know, they have these next-gen stats about separation at time of throw, you know, how far away right. is the nearest defender. And Nelson Aguilar, when he's targeted, has the sixth highest separation among receivers. That doesn't tell me he's great at getting open. Right. That tells me Wentz is saying, all right, fine. If, you, if, right. If, if this is my only option and no one's within 20 yards of you, then I'll give you a shot. And maybe we'll get a flag. 
Yeah, but otherwise you're not getting the ball. <laughs> and so I think, uh, you know, maybe there's some of that with Ortega Whiteside also. He doesn't make that play at the goal line. And like we've never heard from the guy who's coaching these guys. Yeah, but I mean, how can, who's developing? The answer is Carson Walsh, who yeah. has never been a wide receivers coach in the NFL before. I mean, look. I think you, we're looking at five years, five wide receivers coaches. Yeah, you, you've got Aguilar, who we know, you know, the, the mental aspect for of it with him has been huge. Mike Rowe gets through to him for one year. He has a nice year during the Super Bowl. And now he's just back. I mean, I, I you really, the one thing I will say, and I know in, in other podcasts I've said, like, look at these receivers on other teams who are doing stuff. And I think that's true. Uh, but the one thing the Eagles receivers do so poorly, like they try to build a physical group of receivers who, you know, are going to be tough and, you know, whatever. And I've never seen receivers like at, yes. at the little littlest touch of contact go down or call for a flag or like the play's over when they get touched. Like, are you there? There are other guys who are just hand fighting, fighting through and swatting guys away. All right, I like I would go into uh, after the bye, I would tell them like. Uh, I don't care if you get like four offensive pass interference penalties if you make the catch. Like push that defensive back to the ground and do whatever you have to do to make the catch. You you will not be benched. You will not be criticized. You will not be called out in a team meeting. I want you to go into these games with the mentality that there is no ref. Uh, they're not going to throw flags, and that the only way we're going to be successful on offense is if you just you know if you toughen up and beat the defensive back and make the catch. We will deal with the OPIs. I mean, they they don't do any of that. It's like embarrassing some of these plays where they're just, you know, flailing their arms around, looking up at the lights, and it's like, what is going on here? You're a professional receiver. And here's the other thing that that I, I totally agree with that. If you are going to build your offense, if you're going to build this bog offense, right, this this short passing game offense, you better have guys who can break some tackles, they're 30th in the league in, in yards after the catch for wide receivers. Like, you, it, it, the, the whole thing is constructed so poorly. The only, I was looking at, uh, you know, Next Gen has the, has the, like, you know, uh, plus minus for Yak. Yeah. And, right. and the, the only guy on the entire receiving core who is above average, who is just above plus is Dallas Goddard. You can't mm. build this bog offense and they're still just, and they're just getting tackled five yards down the field. Although the yards after catch that that's that's not yards after contact that's yards so it's like if you're catching a ball deep well, down I think field, the, I think the next gen one is a little bit different right oh, oh okay that that's yards okay. yeah that that one's supposed to account for like where are you on the field how close is the nearest defender okay. all those I mean it's not perfect but it is a much better I would yeah indicator because I think Zach's right I mean every well, every also, catch they right. Go Every ahead. catch they make, it feels like they're coming back to the line of scrimmage. Right. Anecdotally, like when's the last time you remember one of, the, of those guys breaking a tackle? Right. No, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, tell me if you think this is, is, is something on uh, Aguilar. The splits of his uh, slot reps versus his reps on the outside. You know, we've been saying this was a conversation last year. Like, why don't they just put him on the outside if all you want is somebody to run a fly route? He won't catch it, but maybe the, the, it changes the way the defense plays. His air yards per target in the slot, 8.5. And on his 11 targets on the outside, 26.1. I don't know. Is that something? So what? They're throwing in bombs on the outside? They are throwing Uh, go routes? Well, I mean, now he's only been targeted 11 times on uh, 85 routes run. So it goes to your point that Carson's only going to throw him the ball if he's wide open. But Yeah. That's all. That's pathetic. It's bad. I mean, they have they have uh, probably the worst group of wide worst group of performing wide receivers in the league. If you look at the other teams who are around them, it's like the Jets in Washington, and those teams have much worse quarterbacks than the Eagles. And they are the Eagles are paying those wide receivers uh, the eleventh most money in the league. And, and Zach, I think you said it would have been fourth before they guaranteed Alshon's deal. Yep. yep. So. That's uh, that's not quite the return on investment that you're looking for. In, so our, like in, in, in 2016, they had really bad wide receivers, um, but they kind of knew going into the year that it was a bad group, uh, and and it, it just was a mismatched group. Um, this year, like Alshon has been really productive for them in the past. Um, Nelson Aguilar has been productive for them in the past. Deshaun Jackson has has been a Pro Bowl level receiver. Uh, like the 
just the so it goes to what she was asking about who's coaching them whether it's the game planning whether it's the chemistry with Carson whatever it is there's such a disconnect between the expectations and the production that like to me this is not an issue that could be um that that like could be rationalized in any way like they they were supposed to be a strength of the team when we did that draft before the year I think wide receiver was was one of the groups we thought was real high up. Yeah, I I, I know I definitely I liked the diversity of the yep. receiving group. You know, it seemed like they had guys who could do different things. Uh, but obviously, I don't think it's sort of a I don't think it's one thing. And, and so I do think the biggest thing I would say, looking at it now, big picture, certainly roster construction, they screwed it up. And then I think you do have to look at coaching. I mean, you're not getting anything out of a, a second round pick wide receiver when guys are making plays all over all over the league. Your your slot receiver is playing the worst football of his career and he's healthy and he, he he's a pretty much in his athletic prime. And he's in a contract year. And he's in a contract year. That's not great. And then, you know, I, I know I feel like I bring up the Raiders every uh the the Raiders have become like my favorite team to watch. Okay. I know I can't I can't believe I'm saying it. Well, I like it. now I I know I'm cursing them. And Thursday night they're gonna lay an egg because I've been gassing them up so much. But they just go up and down the field every week. Here here are the players on the Raiders on Sunday who had an explosive catch or a touchdown: Jalen Richard, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Tyrell Williams, who was playing injured, uh, Marcel Aitman. And DeAndre Washington. Marcel like, did what? So if you took that group and put them on the Eagles, how do you think the Eagles would be performing this year? Really? <laughs> About the same. About well, Tyrell Williams was, was the guy who I said I said during the offseason, that's who the Eagles should have targeted. They went after Deshaun Jackson. It was a celebrated move. But I, I just thought in terms of the age profile, the player profile, he fit more what they were building the roster with in – 2016 free agency, 2017 free agency, then Deshaun. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised that, that he has what 15 plus yards per catch this year. Um, because that's, that's kind of what he's been throughout his career. Yeah. He, he, I would say he's been fine. I, I don't think he's been like a massive difference maker and they've had games where he hasn't done anything and they still move the ball. But I mean, my, my point being that you do see these, these, games around the league where you look at it and you say, who is this guy? Who yeah. is Zach? Who is Zach Pascal? Like Zach Pascal on the Colts. I right? have one for you. Who is Alex Erickson? <laughs> I, I know. I'm serious. I don't know who that is. He's in the Bengals. He's on the Bengals. He's, he's, yes. a, he's, a, he's the one guy in the uh, <laughs> top 20 uh, yards per route run. Like, I mean, it, 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 it is a good stat. If you just look at who's a really good receiver, but he's in there. I've never, I don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah, he was a decent player at Wisconsin, but I, I, I don't know what he's been up to since then. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I don't know. Is that possible way, for the Amari Colts? By the way, Amari Cooper, number one, Michael Gallup, number 10. How infuriating is that? Mm. Yeah, so you look at some of these and you say, well, is that, did the organization do a good job of identifying an under-the-radar player, or did the coaching staff do a good job of developing a guy with a little bit of talent and having him step up when T.Y. Hilton is Well, out? there's also no, I mean, there's no, there's no creativity in, in the way they build it out. Like, what's going to happen here? Guess what? They brought in Jordan Matthews for a workout. They're probably going to re-sign him. They tried to, they apparently tried to get Tory Smith to come out of retirement. Their big solution was to sign Deshaun Jackson. The only, the guys before that were, was Mike Wallace, who's just like a, a name brand. Uh, like, I, I, maybe this is, maybe this is unfair because receivers are high profile anyway. So it's hard to find someone under the radar, but like, I don't, I don't see any like unique, way they're going about things at that at, at building that position no that that's i was thinking about this earlier i mean yeah alshon jeffrey all right you gave him the most money right uh yeah deshaun jackson you obviously wanted him more than anybody else uh, nelson aguilar was a first round pick and you're you're right like where is you don't want to count on the hey we got this guy in the fifth round like you can't count on that but occasionally you would like to hit on some of those at wide receiver. I think we said in the summer, we're like, God, this, you know, the bottom of the the roster wide receivers are very boring this year. Like that's, that's an annual training camp tradition is you go to training camp and there's some guy who's probably not going to play at all, but you say, wow, that guy looks, uh, you know, last year was Deandre Carter. Remember he yeah. came in, 
and three practices in, we said we kind of like this guy. Well, this let's, guy's uh, got... don't lump yourself in there. I, I, I invented DeAndre Carter. Okay. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, he's not great, but he's like a he's, he's, he's on a he's on a roster. Yeah, he's doing some stuff. Well, to the point about evaluating and, and finding a guy in the draft. Um, in the past three drafts, okay, they've used picks in the second, third, fourth, and fifth rounds to acquire wide receivers. That third round pick was used to trade for Golden Tate. But that's that still a, a pick you use no, for counts. wide receiver. Yeah. Second round, Ortega Whiteside. Okay. Fourth round, Matt Collins. Fifth round, Shelton Gibson. Um, so th- those four picks that, that were invested in the position in the past three years has produced a total of 12 catches for the Eagles this season. <laughs> oh, this season? Oh. <laughs> yeah, this season. Okay. This season. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a good stat. I like that. Oh wow! What a wide receiver conversation. We could really fill up fill up just the stats with nonsense wide receivers trashing uh, nonsense stats trashing these wide receivers. Well, well, I think the lesson. Okay, that let, let me end it with one positive. You want a positive wide receiver stat? Sure. I actually have one. This is a shocking one to me. Okay. Alshon Jeffrey, seventy nine point four percent of his receptions have gone for first downs. Okay. That's. That's the fourth best mark of any wide receiver in the NFL. Okay. Should there, should, should there be hashtag more Alshon? Not if he's going to keep dropping the ball. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, maybe that, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe if they catch the ball a little bit, that I mean, Alshon is basically a tight end right now at, at this point in, in his career. He, I know he got uh, loose I, once each of the last two games, but. You know, I would say possession receiver. His yards per end. catch are are uh, dwindling every year that he's he. Does, I mean, in, in Alshon's defense, he's he's going up against top cornerbacks every week. I mean, it's not like that's not a defense. He's matched up top cornerbacks. It, it, don't it's do not. Well, it's not like he's matched up on a linebacker. Yeah. Yes. No. 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 But I'm saying he's he's not a glorified tight end. I mean, you're, you're he's not he's not isoed on a linebacker. Um. So, but uh, I, I I see your point. The discouraging part of this for Eagles fans is that Everything. <laughs> they're locked in to Alshon next year. They're locked into Deshaun next year. Yeah. I mean, JJ's a set, you know, you know JJ's gonna be with them next year. Um they'll find a way to bring Nelson back. I can see <laughs> and, how we're trying to pin that on Douglas. Uh, this wasn't my guy. I want a Metcalf. Listen, I go to bed early. Doug's the one who Joe's the one who stays up late. <laughs> you guys know me. I'm an early bird. I like breakfast. <laughs> uh, so, well, so the I don't think the book's totally written yet on I think a white side. But I just agree with that. Yeah, I'm not ready to. Uh, no, I, I'm not ready to give up on it. I agree with that, but but like I said before, you can't have it both ways. It's like. He could turn into something, but but then you should have done more to build up the bottom of the depth on the roster. Well, like my point is, like, if, is if you're expecting this like dramatic overhaul at the position, yeah. next off season, it's it's like, well, un- unless they're just going to eat this Alshon and Deshaun money, um, you're going to see those two guys back both north of thirty next year. And I think my uh, understanding is like that the Alshon money is basically impossible to get out. Like it, it would be it would be crazy for them to eat that money. And that was a decision they like. There was no there was no gun to their head decision, on that one. Yeah, I thought okay, the they're opening up that. this. I thought I thought they were opening up cap space for a move they were making. Um, but essentially, what they did was was they just alleviated the cap burden this year and guaranteed it for next year. Well, I think one thing we've learned, guys, is that you probably don't want to add the Eagles wide receivers onto your DraftKings team. Weekends are made for football. And with so many college and pro games on the slate, the DraftKings Sportsbook app can make your weekend even better. DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. And with so much going on, they have great promotions running all month long. This week, DraftKings is running a first touchdown scorer promotion. Just bet on the first touchdown scorer in any primetime football game and get protected with your wager back if they score at any point in the game. How's that for insurance? Shield, who are you going to go with on the – which slappy on the Raiders are you going to bet on for Thursday night? Raiders receiver for – well, they spread the ball around there so you well. You get some, good, get some good odds. I'll tell you what. You, you, can, you can do well with either of those quarterbacks, though, Derek Carr or Phillip Rivers. I think that'll be a shootout, and I, I can't imagine those guys cost that much money. All right. Well, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK. That's Q-U-I-C-K. 
like Mike Quick. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's code QUICK for all new and existing users to get a deposit bonus up to 500 pieces of lettuce. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. Seaside for details. Gambling problem? Question mark? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. What should we talk about now? I don't know. Is there anything else, or should we? Uh... Well, we do have to transition. We're going to do a, a pod or an app only pod, but um, I think we have to extend this a little bit. Really? It's been like uh, it's been like an hour. I think it because I took. Uh, I'll, I'll get. I'll, I'll get. I'll tell you the details of why we have to extend <laughs> okay. when we stop recording. Um, oh, you know, I don't like when people do that. Oh, I'll tell you what it is. The uh, the ad has to be read in the middle portion of the episode, so it can't be the very oh. end of the episode. Uh-huh. So we okay. have to extend well, let's, to let's, ma- chat. Let's, let's just talk it out. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you one thing. I was doing I was doing something today that I love to do, which is scroll through the practice squads around the league to see a guy who I know nothing about, but like could be worth a flyer. And I found the wide receiver that I want the Eagles to sign. Okay, who do you got? His name By is. By the way, that's not something I would enjoy doing. You oh, say you love to do it. Oh, it's fantastic! It's really a great way to uh, be productive without being productive. Uh, his name is In Simba Webster. In, totally in. He was good enough to make the Rams roster as an undrafted rookie uh, this year, but then uh, they eventually put him on the practice squad five or six games in. Short guy, five ten, one eighty one. Short's a relative term. I think he's a speedster. Uh, I'm in. I, I don't. I, I've seen one highlight, but the name in Simba and uh, making the Rams. I think I'm in. Oh, your boy McVay, huh? Eastern he Washington. Can play for McVay. He can play. For, oh, I like an easy the Cooper Cup. Yeah. Okay. Boy, they have two Eastern Washington receivers <laughs> on the roster, huh? There you go. That's pretty good. Okay. And our luck, we'll just get uh, we'll get Jordan Matthews and Greg Ward. Well, Jordan anyway. Matthews is like. Listen, I actually think like they like they probably are doing the right yeah. thing to bring him in at this point. If that's what, yeah, they do. like his he gets. I mean, he was better if, last year than I thought he had any business being. If you accept him for for what he is, um, you know, I I I think like the way he's uh, he's kind of discussed in the city now doesn't take into account that that he he's been really productive for the Eagles and last year, like you said. He was what, fifteen yards per catch after after they brought him in. He had that that catch in the the touchdown in the playoffs. Um, and the biggest I, the biggest thing he brings to the offense is Carson Wentz will probably throw him the ball. I actually think this is a very underrated. Yeah, that yeah. that goes to what I was saying earlier. <laughs> I mean, right that 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 trust is not uh, is not easy to gain from this quarterback, and he has it. And so I totally agree with that. Trust is not given; it is earned. Doggone it! Okay, I mean, he was uh, he was three <laughs> yards away. Uh, he was one drop away. Uh, he was one drop away from a thousand yard season back in two thousand fifteen. Well, that doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> the law. What does I, that matter? I, I had just I had just moved my family to Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying like. I no. mean, uh, Harold Carmichael had a big year a couple of, like twenty years, no. thirty years ago. Let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. But, I had hair. I had hair. <laughs> I, I feel like the way he discussed in Philadelphia is it's like it's like you're signing that guy and and to me it's you know he's he's been. He's been decent. Like, like yeah, he's, he's had... Zach, that was four years. Why have you four years ago? <laughs> Fair enough. Oh my gosh. I'm, 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 I'm only saying that uh, I was. Uh, What's I was Josh Huff doing these days? I was. I, well, Josh Huff wasn't productive. Mm-hmm. Jordan Matthews was. I was in the car today, and when the Jordan Matthews conversation was was going on on Sports Talk Radio. Uh, I mean, you would think that like they were signing um, Will Murphy back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, no well, disrespect I, to Will Murphy. Like I, Jordan Matthews was was a good receiver for them. Is was is my point at one time? But I, I do understand it. I mean, this is somebody the organization has gotten rid of twice, and now right. going into uh, you know the final seven games, they have no other options. I can't and, believe oh, they were calling Tory Smith. 
and there's nobody else. Yeah, Tory Smith seems to be doing a lot of great work, like in Baltimore. Like, leave him the leave him <laughs> yeah, the leave hell him alone. alone. Exactly. Like, uh, call somebody else. He's actually seems to be like having a very nice, productive uh, post post football life. Well, Let's how out ready. of ideas is the pro scouting staff if they're trying to call that's up Tory Smith? That's a great. Yeah, that's a well. Again, they might go to what I said earlier. They say, well, all right, we're going to get this in Simba. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, he's going to drop a pass and our quarterback's not going to throw it to yeah, him anymore. Might be right. Maybe. Should they have put a claim in for Josh Gordon? Oh, good, good question. I mean, I think yes. It seems like a, it seems low risk, right? Yeah, I, I mean, really do. Can't you just uh, get rid of him if he doesn't right. work out? Yeah. Yes. It's not like, it's not like, you know, Antonio Brown, who is, uh, I mean, the, the, uh, levels of the uh person you're bringing in are different and it's also like you're not bringing the circus to town he's not going to light the place on fire like if josh gordon doesn't work out you just you just get rid of him isn't that the point of getting all the high character guys so right. that you can uh you can take a flyer on a guy like that i don't know yeah i think that's right i mean it wasn't going to be the answer it probably wasn't going to work but this is sort of like the the method of when you don't have a quarterback and all right, draft one, sign one, you know, right. just, just take a lot of swings and see what happens. That's kind of at the point that they're at. I wish you'd have listened to, listen to me and trade it for Robert Foster. Yeah. <laughs> well, well on, on a rate, on a, on a per like target per catch basis, Jordan Matthews had like a career year last year. Yeah, he was, he was, he was fine <laughs> last year. I think yeah. it'll be, I, I think they will be, I would think they will look better. If they come out and their eleven receiver or their eleven personnel sets are Jordan Matthews in the slot and Nelson Aguilar outside, then they have been with Aguilar inside and Matt Collins outside. I think they will. I think that will be a more productive offense. Yeah, you're still ignoring one of the outside wide receivers, but maybe the slot receiver gets you. How hard is it to find a freaking slot receiver? By the way, yeah, come on. I mean, well, you're the one of... who wanted. You're the, you're the one who was all about Adam Humphreys getting paid. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I actually, I, I, I think <laughs> like quarterback suck. Come on, you can't judge him. You can't judge him off of Mariota and Tannehill. Uh, I, I prob- don't think I probably was wrong like a, a really dynamic slot receiver. I, I think what he needs is like a, just a real dependable slot receiver. Like that's the, you know, um, I think that's kind of what 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 Carson needs is is the high volume slot receiver. Well, uh, there's a there's a case to be made that that's what Zach Ertz is, right? Yeah, no, I, I right. think I would like an athlete in there. I would like an athlete somewhere on this offense. <laughs> It'd be, be nice. It'd be nice if they had one. DK good athlete Metcalf on the was team. a pretty good athlete. Yeah. Was, well, do you want me to line. Do you want me to run through my notes here from the uh, post game pod? Please, that would be lovely. Uh, that that Zach discussion was just painful. And really, I mean, how many times have we brought this up? His favorite Zachs. Are you going to make him do this fifty more times? <laughs> Probably. Okay. <laughs> uh, you said you were having a crisis of confidence with the day after. I, I wanted to uh, say I'm here to help. Okay. Can I call what's you up? Your, well, what's your crisis of confidence? I just, it was that specific one. I didn't, oh, I didn't, that one. yeah, yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I had a good idea. There was, there was not a full strung together narrative. I was, I was up very late that night because I, I, I had, I just had felt like I had nothing. I thought it I turned th- out well. Well. It was I think I, I think you should go into it not thinking you need to have like a big, uh, you know, like a big picture thing or the most important thing. I, am, I almost think like you should go into it with, you know, what you were writing when you weren't writing the day after. Yeah. Like you would always come up with a creative angle, even if it wasn't the biggest uh, thing. I think in those moments where you're not sure what to write, that should be your mindset. Let I think that's t- good. I think that's what I that's what I've been trying to do. I just okay, for, some, yeah. for whatever reason, this. This game, uh, I, I didn't love it. Well, they haven't been the most, uh, yeah, they haven't been the easiest team to write entertaining pieces yeah. about. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, your 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 question to Zach went unanswered. You Which asked question? him. You said you're scared of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I don't know if off air if you, if you were really looking for an answer if you wanted to follow up with him. I just thought I would jot, jot that down. <laughs> Zach, can you give us an answer? Am I scared of the devil? Um, <laughs> you don't have, please don't answer that. We have, I, spon- we have sponsors now. We can, we can just move on. 
Uh, I, I thought the the won't cry when tackled thing was interesting. That was cool. What the machismo? What did yeah? Some like uh, Razor Ramon over here. A big Coca Cola before the podcast or what? No, I, I I think that got misinterpreted because actually someone. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, like quoted that the Fletcher Cox and was like, <laughs> do you want to give him a try Fletcher? And, and what I was going to say was, was not that like, uh, I'm so tough or post so tough. My, my point is, is, is that like, if you're in pads, um, unless it, you know, unless it's like, I think, I don't think every single hit you have is going to make you cry. I, I just think some hits are like they're going <laughs> to knock you down to the ground, and then you're going to you're going to feel it. And you're going to get back up. I, I mean, obviously, there's some really gruesome hits, but my point is 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 that like um, I don't think everything's like the NFL. Like um, like like that guy got got what's the yeah yeah yeah. Not every hits like that is 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 my point. Sometimes you get pushed maybe, out of bounds. Maybe for them, but I totally disagree. <laughs> when you see that, when you, you've been on the field, like at the like at the Coliseum in LA, like when they get gently pushed out of bounds, that would send me into the third row. Like that's not a gentle pushing out of bounds. Well, the thing you're gentle. forgetting, Sheila, is that low man wins. Well, it's, <laughs> and now, well, are, are you a big crier generally, Zach, or are you not a? Uh, do, how often do the tears come out? Um, we've established always more of an emotional uh, person than I am. I would say I'll I'll cry at any uh, movie. I was a big crier. I would say for the first, uh, 14 years of my life, like embarrassingly. So (laughs) I would say I, I think I got them all out. And then once I reached the, uh, the adult stages, uh, on occasion, something will get, get to me, but um, there's like distinction between like the pain cry, which is what we're talking mm, here. Okay. All right. That's true. I got to admit, like, I don't live a lifestyle that, that, that puts me in room for like the pain cry that often. So maybe I, I would get hit. We got to change crying. that. Yeah. yeah. Like, like maybe I, I would get hit and start crying. I actually um, don't, I actually don't know that I would cry either. It would, it's really more just an expression of how, in, like, in oh, what yeah. terrible like, pain you would be in. I would probably scream, you know, like, you know, if, if you, uh, you know, but you know, if, if you're playing pickup basketball and like you hurt your ankle or, or like you roll your ankle or are you, like no, that's kinder. true. Yeah. We're sort of past that stage. Yeah, I would yeah, agree. exactly. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how I think about it. Like, it will hurt, but like, in order to like to bring tears, it probably needs to be something like really, yeah, like a like a Jeremy that... Chapman interview. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm talking about from like a physical contact. <laughs> a Tom, I tell you a what, Tom Rinaldi, a Tom Rinaldi yeah. piece yeah. on uh, college game day. That those will. Uh, oh yeah, those will. Yeah, I think it would have to be something that you felt like you were probably going to die. You know, and then you start thinking about your fam- family <laughs> yeah, and your kids. So it's almost, yeah. So basically not- just any yeah. tackle. <laughs> no, so I, I thought that got misinterpreted. And like to the uh, listener who, who like quote tweeted Fletcher Cox, I'm not suggesting that like I'm so tough that I want Fletcher Cox to tackle me. I hope, um, yeah, I, I hope he saw that and brings it up uh, <laughs> next week. Okay, let me see what else. Well, I was thinking this, you know, there was a play in the Jets-Dolphins game this week where Ryan, it was right before halftime and the dolphins were at like inside their own one. And, uh, well, I know that one doesn't actually apply. Let me ask you this. Do Wait, you think you're he, just going to cut that story off. Well, 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 it wasn't relevant. I mean, it, well, he was inside his own one and basically was trying to sneak it out to go to halftime. And it was like really hard and he fumbled and he gathered the ball and he was in his own end zone and they got a safety. Okay. Uh, so anyway, but I was going to say, do you think you could take the snap from center and take a knee Three times to end a game. Yes. Zach? Can I take a snap from center and take a knee? Yeah. Um, it might be one of those feisty defenses, you know, like when the Seahawks were yeah. being real jerks and like knocking over the offensive linemen in those situations. So, you know, you're not, you might not be a hundred percent safe. I would imagine so. But again, like I, I, I never played quarterback from like under center before. So I, I, I don't know. You're shot, man. Okay. No, right. no, no, no. I, I mean like, <laughs> like you play like, I've never played like actual quarterback before. I gotcha. All right. Like you okay. play like in the schoolyard or something, but you're not taking a snap in those situations. So there you go. All right. Last two things here. Uh, Zach said, I'm lucky to have great editors here at the athletic and uh, Bo just moved on to the next thing. That's not that's not fair. I gave uh, Wesley was the case that they gave me. Okay, well, I, you know, I thought we you all know. Said me we all know how I feel about Pistol Pete. Uh, 
And then Zach called the song. I don't know if you caught this or not, Bo. Yes. Uh, old, old Country Road. Old Country Road, yes. <laughs> Which is outstanding. <laughs> Wait, what is it? It's Old Town Road. Old Town Road. Gotcha. Get, do, do your kids listen to Kids Bop? Are they into Kids Bop yet? Not yet. No. Okay. I have Coco little... Melon. Do you know that? that... No, I don't. No. Yeah, that's like a YouTube thing. When um, they get a little older, you know, you you throw a little kids bop on Spotify. It's like new newish pop songs sung by kids. Gotcha. A lot of a lot of bangers. Yeah, Zach, what's your? What, uh, I have asked Sheila this in the past. What are your? What's your like go to uh, bedtime story these days? Um, the, well, there's Season there's like on a the whole, break. No, 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 no. There's a whole collection of. What'd you um, say? Season well, on the brink. <laughs> God finds <laughs> the breaks yeah. of the game. Um, no, my my son's really into um, Sesame Street, and uh, and so there's this Sesame Street book that we have like different lessons from all of the uh, from all the characters, oh, and so nice. that's the one that he now wants to read every night, as opposed to um, as opposed to some of the ones in the past. Okay. Shield, did you not have any uh, thoughts on the uh, highlight of the season from that podcast? Uh, I thought it was outstanding. Well, <laughs> all right, okay. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. We're going to do a report canard on the app at the midseason point, and then we will be back next week as the Eagles return from their bye. We get to talk to the assistant coaches next Tuesday, so maybe we will uh, talk after that for Shield and Bo. I'm Bo, and for Zach as well. As always, we love you.